Welcome to the Lion's Roar Dharma Center podcast from Dona Darge Temple. This public talk by Lama Yeshe Jinpa was recorded during a regularly scheduled Sunday morning service. We, we saw uh, the children, uh, the little Buddhist program in operation. Wasn't that great? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> So the Little Buddha's, uh, we're calling a program, is more than just like uh, Dharma daycare. Um, Truko and uh, her assistants are providing some kind of uh, um, activity that's uh, educational and alive and awakening every single time, you know, like planning it out ahead of time. It's amazing, right? So uh, all the... Our parents that are involved, I'd like to thank them for volunteering and being involved. Um, uh, we don't want to be, uh, we do want a monastery here, um, male and female, but we also don't want to be the shaker community, you know. <laughs> we don't want to just totally die out. So uh, we have to have people that are willing to do uh, retreat practice, willing to do monastic practice, and uh, willing to raise families, right? Doing the whole thing. <clears throat> so thank you for those people that have volunteered, are volunteering, and contributing to uh, Little Buddhas. <clears throat> We're doing it all here. We're doing everything from highest yoga tantra uh, to um, uh, Little Buddha's program, right? It's amazing. Small group. <clears throat> I'm de- delighted we have a visitor from, uh, <laughs> I'm just making up name, but, you know, nickname, uh, uh, Tara Rojas Ling, <laughs> Red Tara Ling. Hi, Michael. Yeah. So, uh, this year, uh, you know, Serbina, I'd like to visit in uh, San Francisco. But what's the nickname, Michael? San Pancho. San Pancho, right. So Michael's continued to do uh, Dharma practice there and have uh, students there. So um, if you make the lake, the swans will come, right? (laughs) So when people uh, practice here but, but move, and their Dharma practice is strong, I want them to invite people over and start, you know, uh, having, uh, you know, Dharma meetings, right? Can be just informal, um, but then it's organic. You just have people over to your house or you meet um, in the park or something like that, and then the Dharma grows. So um, I'm hoping that I'll visit Seattle sometime soon and uh, visit Ashley up there and, and do some Dharma practice and uh, maybe also in Miami. Florida. Yeah. <laughs> and maybe Yuba City and, you know. So, who's in Florida? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I have, I have nice memories of Florida, you know, like my grandparents were uh, the type that actually drove from New York City down to Florida in the winter. Snowbirds, right? <laughs> like that. 
Yeah, yeah. So uh, the way to do Dharma uh, in our tradition isn't for the teacher to come in and make a big splash and, uh, you know, it, it is to have uh, strong practitioners, devoted students just start making friends and then introducing and then invite the teacher to come, right? So it isn't like, uh, you know, a big thing. It has real roots, right? Like that. So it starts from someone's uh, individual practice. So that's how it started here, right? (laughs) So today, um, a little different schedule. We're not going to have... uh, book club meeting because uh, Harriet fell down and broke her arm. So <laughs> I'm hoping someone out in Orangeville can go visit her. Um, uh, so we'll t- I, I want to skip book club and instead uh, we're going to have a meeting at one o'clock for those people that want to know about refuge practice uh, like that. So those people that are planning on taking refuge in April, and also just people want to hear, like, well, what is that? And so we can meet uh, in the back of the community room at uh, one o'clock. Yeah. So um, yesterday I was looking at, uh, um, you know, the Apple Watch and the the fourth. Uh, iteration, I guess, I don't know, <laughs> like, if you fall down, you know, it sends a signal, you know, and I'm thinking, like, five years ago, I would think, that's really silly, but now it doesn't look so silly, you know, <laughs> and <laughs> Sabrina said, maybe I should get one, and then it checks your EEG, like that, but sometimes I do fall down, because my knees are bad, you know, so, um, but I know what it's like not uh, to fall down and not get up, so it sends a signal, you know, to, um, you know, I'm always wondering, so who would, if you fell down, everybody in the audience, who, who would you want the signal to go to, right? Mm-hmm. We don't always want it to go to the ambulance, you know, um, who, who, would, who would we call, right? <clears throat> so, um, this is a little segue into my talk. <laughs> <laughs> so, in our tradition, uh, the, the first thing we do is we call the Lama from afar, Lama Keno, like Lama Simi, right? The first thing we do is we, we think of, uh, uh, you know, for going somewhere, we're thinking of our teacher and drawing up the inspiration and gratitude for doing the Dharma practice, right? So, um, and then, then the second call could be the ambulance or <laughs> our partner. <laughs> but we need to call. We need to call in the um, energy and uh, inspiration. Otherwise, if we have health issues, then sometimes we we think, oh, you know, this is it, right? Or oh, like, um, you know, maybe maybe I should die, or oh, maybe whatever, right? So in crisis situations, you, you always arise the pure vision first, right? So when we say, uh, we, we think of the Lama, it's not just Lama Jimpa, but we think of uh, our, the, the real inner Lama, which is our completely pure, luminous awareness. 
So you want to always flash on, you know, it's got a flash on it. It's not literally flash on it, but you don't, you don't want to forget that, right? Sometimes under crisis we think, oh, you know, it's just, it's all about, um, you know, just getting in the ambulance or taking care of our health. But we, we, as Dharma practitioners, you want to immediately go to uh, uh, our absolute truth mind, right? And then, and then you build things from there. You don't go, well, when I get better, then I'll remember who I am and what I'm doing on the planet. Then we immediately uh, recall, uh, you know, generally recall refuge, Lama, Buddha, Dharma, and Sangha, but you immediately want to recognize the nature of awareness right away. That makes sense, right? So, um, in a very secular way, we could just say, remain mindful, but um, in a lineage dharma way, we'd say, just immediately, um, we recognize the innate nature, open, spacious nature of awareness, or our Buddha nature, right away. Because that's always going to be the source of uh, healing, that's always going to be the source of uh, orientation, that's always going to be the one that's going to be uh, our ultimate protector, right? Because <clears throat> uh, even though the ambulance companies are very um, uh, ubiquitous in Sacramento, uh, it could be four or five minutes, right? Or ten minutes, something like that. So, <clears throat> uh, <laughs> typical, typical Dharma thing is you, you, you remember uh, your uh, Dharma practice the first thing, and and then, and then you um, put on the band-aid. <laughs> like that, <clears throat> because we never know. You know, we never know what's going to happen. You know, so when time 10 years ago when my office was on 19th Street. Uh, of course, I'm mindlessly doing things all the time. So, you know, 19th Street by R&S, they're whizzing down across from Safeway. And I was in my usual stupor. And I didn't even see anything. I just felt this And so, so strong, it, it blew me back, right? <laughs> so uh, that would have been an opportunity to immediately, so I immediately flash on open awareness, right? Just like, ah, like that. Um, and then, then I got a little scared. <laughs> but first, first you want to, uh, you know, you want to say flash, just recognize in, in immediacy uh, the open, uh, spacious, supportive nature of our being and uh, then, then you can come back to your personal self and, uh, and go, wow, I, I think I, you know, I shouldn't be thinking about you know, uh, a muffin from Starbucks. I should be <laughs> <laughs> like that. <clears throat> because uh, the opportunities for uh, realization don't always happen uh, when we're sitting um, comfortably on our cushion or comfortably in a retreat center, um, the opportunities happen during these kind of interesting moments like almost being run over by a truck, you know, like that. Kind of strange Dharma talk to start off with, but 
not really. So the uh, text I wanted to talk about today is uh, from the seventh Dalai Lama, Kelsen Gyatso, uh, <coughs> a very important text called the uh, Song of the Four Mindfulnesses, <coughs> technically called Instructions for Meditation on the View of Emptiness, the Song of the Four Mindfulnesses, Causing the Rain of Achievements to Fall. That's nice, right? <coughs> In the Theravada teachings, there's also um, uh, teachings like Thich Nhat Hanh gives on the uh, uh, four uh, mindfulnesses. Does anybody know what those are? Mindfulness of body, right? Um, sensations. Feelings, yeah. And dharmas, yeah. Yeah. So, um, and tantra practice is somewhat similar, but uh, in a sense a little bit different. So, when we say the four mindfulnesses in our tradition, uh, we, we, the first one is mindfulness of the teacher. So, I'll read that uh, text and then you can have uh, the reading transmission of this. So, <clears throat> on the seed of the immutable union of method and wisdom sits the kind teacher who is the entity of all the refuges, a Buddha who has perfect abandonment and wisdom is there. Forsaking thoughts of defects, make a petition with pure perception, not letting your mind stray, place it within admiration and respect, making your attention unforgetful, maintain it with admiration and respect. <clears throat> so uh, we say in Tantra, the Lama is the Buddha, the Lama is the Dharma, the Lama is the Sangha also. Um, so that's not just your personal teacher and uh, you know, appearing like this or teachers. It's, uh, of course, uh, your most innermost awareness, right? Which has to be happening right now. It has to be here now. Like, like right here. <laughs> Actually, right here. <clears throat> Then the second one, mindfulness of the altruistic aspiration to highest enlightenment. In the prison of the suffering of limitless cyclic existence, wander the six types of sentient beings bereft of happiness. Fathers and mothers who protected you with kindness are there. Forsaking desire and hatred, meditate on endearment and compassion. Not letting your mind stray, place it within compassion, making your attention unforgetful, Maintain it within compassion. So this is the meditation on bodhicitta, the uh, desire to wake up and be free yourself and to help others to wake up and be free. So we call it meditation on bodhicitta, the uh, spirit of awakening. Well, first one, meditation, uh, mindfulness of the teacher, mindfulness of the lama, then mindfulness of bodhicitta. That's easy so far. We can remember too, right? Like those two. <laughs> it gets harder. There's a third one. Okay. So then third. Okay. <clears throat> Mindfulness of your body as a divine body. In the divine mansion of great bliss, pleasant to feel, abides the divine body, which is your own body of pure aggregates and constituents. A deity with the three bodies inseparable is there. Not conceiving yourself to be ordinary, practice divine pride and vivid appearance. 
not letting your mind stray, place it within the profound and the manifest, making your attention unforgetful, maintain it within the profound and the manifest. So, uh, this now, we're, we're definitely in uh, the world of Tantra, right? We're in the world of pure vision here to uh, visualize that we actually have uh, a divine body, uh, a Buddha Deva body. This digs more explanation, but uh, of course we have a regular medical body, uh, the one that Kaiser is going to check out, right? But then also in our tradition, we have, uh, you know, uh, a divine body, we could call it, you know, subtle body or Vajra body, um, one that isn't just based upon uh, uh, material. So uh, when we're taking refuge uh, in this tradition, uh, we're having the understanding that uh, we can and we can manifest this divine body. We aren't just um, uh, material body. That takes kind of a leap, right? Because many times we can, and we're just looking at secular mindfulness, then it's like, okay, but really? Do we have really uh, this indestructible divine body? So in our tradition, we say yes. (laughs) So uh, in our tradition, uh, the most subtle aspect of the mind uh, doesn't uh, die with uh, the death of the uh, material body. It has come from somewhere and it's going to continue. And also, our, our subtle Vajra body isn't coming from somewhere and going and dying. It's continuing. Now that's interesting, right? <clears throat> then fourth, mindfulness of the view of emptiness. Throughout the circle of appearing and occurring objects of knowledge pervades the space of clear light, which is reality, the ultimate and inexpressible mode of being of objects is there. Forsaking mental fabrications, look to the entity of immaculate emptiness, not letting your mind stray, place it within reality, make your attention unforgetful, maintain it within reality. So, this is very interesting. Uh, how do we forsake mental fabrications? <laughs> how do we how do we see things as they are? So uh, this is this is the main part of our Dharma practice: seeing things as they are, isn't it? And not um, uh, engaging in mental fabrications. Mental fabrications is kind of the idea that uh, would be a patch. So tantra is like means weave or real fabric. Mental fabrications would be meaning kind of patchy, things like they they fall apart, which is also the good news, right? They fall apart. So <clears throat> at the crossroads of the varieties of appearances in the six consciousnesses is seen the confusion of the baseless phenomena of duality. The illusory spectacles of a deceiving magician are there. Not thinking they are true, looking to their entity of emptiness, not letting your mind stray, place it with an appearance and emptiness. Make your attention unforgetful. Maintain it with appearance and emptiness. 
<clears throat> so in our tradition, uh, we uh, talk about the union of form and emptiness, right? Heart Sutra, we just read that. Form is emptiness, emptiness and form. So in our tradition, uh, we see uh, appearances as the simultaneous union of openness and vivid appearance. <laughs> it, it seems impossible, doesn't it? It always seems like clarity should be one place, objects another place, right? But in our tradition, the very appearance is the appearance of luminous awareness. I know it sounds like words now, but if we don't say it, if we don't say, well, there's the top of the mountain, you'll never get there, right? We do have to identify it. We have to say, well, there's the summit. We might be in the lodge, right? <laughs> but we actually have to get feet on the ground and walk it up. It's just, we just don't want to be sitting in the lodge thinking that we've attained the summit by seeing the summit, right? That would be a mistake. <clears throat> so these uh, Song of Four Mindfulnesses I've received in, uh, from uh, wonderful qualified teachers, and uh, now you have the reading transmission on it. Sometimes people um, just pick up any old book and read it, and go to any old ceremony and take it. Um, I guess when we're looking, it's okay, but at some point, um, we want to save time, right? So you have a teacher, so the teacher can say, why, why don't you do this practice, see this teacher, read these books, do this practice, and it will save you time, right? So when we're taking refuge, we're also saying, I'm I'm going to go to the teacher to save time. So when people come to see me in interview, come and ask, like, what should I be reading? What should I be studying? What should I be practicing? Don't come and say, I just read this book. I just did this empowerment. <laughs> I just d did this teaching. And I go, why? <laughs> like, what are you going to do with it now? Right? How, how does it fit in? So uh, the teacher comes first in our tradition because uh, there are so many good teachings out there, but uh, if we put ketchup on our ice cream, you might not have a good experience, right? You, you want nice, like, fudge on your ice cream or something. Isn't that right? You, you don't want to put um, ice cream on your sushi, right? <laughs> <laughs> So uh, we start with uh, the guide or the teacher in the tantric tradition um, because uh, things are happening so fast that we don't have time really to uh, dig a little hole here, dig a little hole there. Uh, that's why immediately we want to flash on, if possible, our complete reality, dharmata, things totally as they are, luminous awareness and we need uh, training how to do that, actually. Mm. So maybe uh, we can have some comments or suggestions, and then we have to pass around the mic, right? Yeah, use that one. Oh, Doug has it. Doug is. Oh, very good. Yeah. 
Oh, good. Well, I guess I'm, I guess I'm going back to the beginning of your talk. Because yeah. it, uh, no, about this time in ninth of year in 1978, my foot slipped off the pedal of a bicycle and that I was riding pretty fast in the rain. And went into the front wheel and I flipped over and landed. And that was the first time in my life where I, 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 I got in touch with that, that, the luminous quality of my mind right then. Yeah. You no, know, it's like I, I had this inner, now, I mean, at the time I had no idea. Yeah. Now looking back, I can see that the, I had something inside me, something was there, said, are you okay? Yeah. You know, yeah. are you going to be okay checking yeah. me out? Not, not yeah. my usual, I'll be okay, or, or oh right. my God, none, none of that. Yeah. It's like, okay, are you okay? <clears throat> okay thank you. Yeah, sometimes um, people uh, talk about it also as like kind of near-death experience, right? So at that time, they get some taste of luminosity um, uh, uh, and it, they're kind of curious, like, is this the way things really are? You know, like that. Myself, since I'm kind of dramatic, crisis-oriented, it, it takes, you know, like, a little shock like that. Yeah, good point. Yeah. It's a little dramatic, isn't it? Yeah, so... Um, if. Uh, if we have these kind of dramatic moments, then uh, we we should bring them to a qualified teacher and say, "What, what was that?" Because we all have those, where yes, we for where before we kind of go into our personal self, there's some kind of luminosity, some kind of support, some kind of uh, presence there, right? Capital P presence, and uh, if we can notice that. Uh, then uh, we're connecting to what I like to call the golden thread. Yeah. Yeah. How... Uh how does the subtle body and the luminous mind fit together? I missed the last part. How does the subtle body and the luminous mind Could you fit just stand up a little bit? Then I, there, I'm done. Hi. Yeah. Hi. Hi, Elizabeth. Yeah. How does the subtle body and the luminous mind fit together? How do they work together? That's a good question. That... That, that question will be refined the more we do the practice, right? <coughs> Otherwise, right now, uh, you know, it would be intellectual answer. But it's the same as, uh, you know, like, uh, em- it's called empty appearance, right? They don't work together, they are together. So it's empty appearance. Yeah. So we're, we're always working with that kind of, like, Think things things appear generally solid, right? Usually, it appears like everything's solid. Like looks like, you know, mind is kind of in here, not not solid maybe, 
and then we look to outside solid objects, or we look at our body and that looks solid, right? Usually we have this kind of conflict between not solid and solid, right? How, how can mind, which is, uh, has no form, know things that are solid and have form, right? That's perplexing, right? Of course, the, the question is asked wrongly, in a sense, right? So, but to actually actualize and realize the union, the blissful union of appearance and open awareness is what the practice is. But they don't fit together, they are together. Yeah. That's a good question, yeah. Yeah. These are the kind of questions we should save for Jada Rimshe, right? You know, so when uh, he comes, when other uh, fantastic lamas come, you, you want to ask these really kind of like these kind of questions, right? Uh, you know, then 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 you really get them going. You know, they they want oh, okay, good. Someone's doing a little study and practice. You know, so <laughs> they get kind of going on it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's good. Yeah. Today we're in the realm of like um, putting putting people in the realm of like you know sacred lineage dharma, not not secular dharma. Secular dharma would be how do we uh, stay mindful so we just aren't annoying, right? And <laughs> you know, how, how do we, you know, how do we balance, you know, work and relationships and jobs? And how do we, you know, like, how do we say nice things to people, but at the same time get them to do what we want? You know, those those kind of those kinds of things. And that that secular approach. Is important, right? It is important, like the practicality of, like, you know, how do we, you know, take care of our health at the same time we have fun, and how do we negotiate the world of a relative, right? But, uh, and that is that is the major, uh, you know, the books that people are reading and the websites people are reading is like how to manage our lives without being a nuisance, right? And to be somewhat kind of happy and inspired. That's that's still, you know, somewhat what I would call secular dharma. It it's part of overall dharma, but if it doesn't go further into like, like what is really going on, then um, uh, you'll be cheated out of, uh, you know, the full dharma practice. Um, we're we're very fortunate here because I've pushed it big time. So with the teachers and with myself, like we're going to present both real lineage dharma, both nature mind, and how to be just good citizens and have a reasonably good life, right? Small scope and, and big scope and tantra all together. But honestly, as some people know who've been around, uh, most of the time when you go to teachings, um, uh, you know, as householders, as lay people, um, you're, you're not going to get the full dharma. They're not going to tell you everything. 
they're going to say, well, these are nice people, but they're not, you know, <laughs> I'm not going to, you know, I'm not going to give you the code, right? <laughs> so uh, I want people to have, you know, the code too. And, you know, I want you to know not just to be a good passenger on the plane, but how to fix the plane and maybe ultimately how to be a pilot, right? But most of the time when we go to teachings or impairments, you're, you're getting what's called blessings and generation stage. You're not getting the pith instructions, right? Because, uh, you know, it takes a very uh, dedicated teacher to give high-level teachings in a public way uh, and have them get through, right? Uh, most of the time we need to hear the correct teachings on nature mind individually and within our context and within uh, a direction, right, that, that we can get feedback from, right? That there, uh, there's some uh, great, incredible teachers who you can meet and just by, um, you know, being in their presence and getting teachings, it's like they're teaching directly to you, right? So that's really an awesome experience, you know, that, uh, you know, that the teacher has that quality like that. So uh, these, uh, these teachers, we should, uh, you know, spend, spend time to be around, right? So they're giving both practical teachings and highest level teachings at the same time. So uh, my only regret is not spending more time with my teachers, right? Honestly, right? <laughs> any, any more questions before we uh, uh, take a break? That's good. So when there are no questions, that means everyone is thoroughly understood, <laughs> thoroughly satisfied. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So... Um, yeah, in, in our tradition, uh, we change from doubt to investigation. We don't need Cartesian doubt here. We don't need like, well, maybe that's not it, maybe it's this, maybe that's not it, maybe it's this, right? That's just intellectual kind of back and forth. So when we say investigation, we're, we're looking at nature mind with mind. Isn't that right? You can't look at mind except with mind. So uh, we're not doubting then, we're investigating. However, if you have no idea what the nature of mind is, you have no idea how to do the investigation, you will do kind of Western-style academic doubt. And you'll just end up kind of being kind of like, yeah, maybe, yes, but I don't know, you know. <laughs> you don't even know who you are, you know. Like, well, maybe this, but I don't know, you know. Uh, all I know is you'll end up where oh, many people end up, you'll end up with, I don't know what's going on, but I don't like it. You know, you'll end up there. <laughs> you know, it's messed up, but, you know, everyone's messed Then you end up in kind of nihilistic place, right? So uh, that's not a lot of fun, actually. So we, we, we want to learn how to use mind to investigate mind, right? It's interesting, actually. Okay, so let's, let's take a break and then uh, we'll come back and we'll use mind and investigate mind. How's that? All right. Did you do, you did Kala Chakra Mantra?
right? Yeah. Very good. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah, that's good. Yeah. So uh, we have time for silent meditation. Um, everyone's going to do what they do, but uh, the really important key instruction is to be interested in what you're doing. So even if you're distracted, be interested in your distraction, right? Otherwise, you become distracted about your distraction. <laughs> and it, it never ends, right? So, <laughs> you know, so something, you know, uh, when we, in our tradition we say, you know, mindfulness, we're not just watching, we're, we're interested, right? We're, we're, so interest means involvement in a balanced way. So stay interested, even when you're just talking, like, that's interesting. Um, you know, thinking about the bet I put on the Super Bowl, you know, like, okay. So stay interested in who's, who's interested. <laughs> Tricky. All right, thank you. <laughs> we could do that amount every day, right? We can do it, okay? We didn't freak out, yeah. Um, very good. In our lineage, we um, understand that we approach liberation and truth uh, uh, essentially two ways. Um, you know, generally, an individual liberation path, we approach it by, like, well, this really sucks. I, I got to do something about it, right? Suffering. Um, but from Tantra approach, we also have experiences of openness and luminosity and freedom and bliss, and we go, uh, we we see uh, ultimate nature that way too. Generally, we need a teacher in both cases because we need someone to witness and attest to, yeah, it, it does suck and you need to do something. We generally need someone to be a witness to our pain and a witness to uh, our path. But we also uh, need someone to say, yeah, train to this too, train to the open awareness. Um, Generally, um, uh, in America, people have gotten the picture like, okay, I, I can notice when things are unsatisfactory and I can notice when things are suffering, but uh, we're less likely actually to notice when things are open and free and aware. So we need a teacher to point out both, because we'll skip over it. So if you're having, we don't always have to be dramatic, you know, like life or death situation, falling down, truck almost hitting us, or something happening, these moments of open awareness are actually like right now continuous. But we need a teacher to point out, like, it's happening right now. And we need a teacher to point out that it's confusion right now, happening same time. <laughs> so that's why we start out with teacher. Then, does anybody remember what the second mindfulness is? Bodhicitta, yeah. Then, then the third one. Divine body, yeah. Then the fourth, unit, yeah, unity of uh, open appearance, the complete manifestation of uh, emptiness. So when we say emptiness, don't suddenly think 
pleased that the room disappears. <laughs> it's because things are empty of independent existence that the room appears, correct? It isn't like, well, I'll just blank the mind out, then I'll see emptiness, or I'll leave this, it's over there. <laughs> it's because things are empty of solidity that we can have uh, this display, right? That's interesting. Okay, thank you. This has been a Lion's Roar Dharma Center recording. For more information, visit lionsroardharmacenter.org.